I understand that I will probably sound like a crazy person for a lot of this video. All right, so in this video, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to talk about a book that I just read. I count book therapy as a part of trying to get better, to be better, to feel better. Bibliotherapy, it's good stuff. Uh, anyway, for this week, I finished the book Awareness by Anthony DeMello, and this book with me. And I know I have uh, way too many post-it notes in here, I, I know. Usually I, I keep all my notes uh, digital on my Kindle and use the Readwise app to resurface them daily. And I also have it connected to my Evernote. So I have this wonderful archive of highlights that I, I can go back to. Uh, but I, I got this book in paperback. This book had a few good highlights. I think this is just a representation of how uh, much it went over my head. Cause I was like, oh, that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. Just get the whole book. Guy was just messing with my mind. He was walking around in my mind. He was exploding my mind. Anthony DeMello was a Jesuit teacher. He was a part of the Catholic Church and he combined teachings from Christianity to Hinduism to Buddhism. It really speaks to his feeling that things aren't concrete. I think this is the sort of book that does offend a lot of people and scare a lot of people, including myself. I actually started it and then it took me a while to get back into it because uh, it scared me. I wanted to put it underneath the bed and forget about it, pretend it didn't exist because this book makes you face the concept of concepts. I've read a few of his books before, but this one hit different. It was one of, it was like when I started to learn about logic for the first time in high school, like real, real Greek logic. And it would leave me on the floor in the fetal position, pondering reality. It also didn't help that I had just seen The Matrix. One of the quotes that, uh, that he says is, uh, when you're on the verge of going insane, raving mad, you're about to become either a psychotic or a mystic. That's what the mystic is, the opposite of a lunatic. Do you know one sign that you've woken up? It's when you are asking yourself, am I crazy or are all of them crazy? Uh, I felt crazy many times reading this book and I think that's the point. The line between Buddha and crazy seems thin. I've been interested in enlightenment for a while, what that would mean, what it would look like, mainly because of dealing with depression and obsessive compulsiveness and anxiety for so long. You wonder what, what could be on the other side of this fence of sanity. <laughs> I'm still trying to work out a lot of this in my head. The idea of what he's going for, this enlightenment, it's, it's, it should be within you already. It shouldn't be something that you need to attain. It should be something that you uncover or that you settle into. Especially when you've been alone for, basically alone for about a year. 
I could probably be better about getting out and seeing people at a distance. But then I feel like there's this part of me that like that wants to see how long I can do it, that that wants to see what will happen, that wants to see what like I could find with being alone this much. Maybe we just like to punish ourselves, being addicted to the pain. We we don't want to wake up. We don't want a cure because it hurts. We just we just want something to fix the symptoms. This depression, he actually talks about it in the book. He says before he was enlightened, he was depressed. And now after, he's still depressed. But now he can look at it differently. He can observe it. He can see it. But then I also wonder, like, well, does that mean that all the earthly things go out the window? Like, do I not want a cool car anymore? Do I not want a, a good body? Or do I not want to be the lead singer of a rock band? And like, does it, does any of that mean anything? Is it, is it good? Is it something to be attained? Do I want all the money? Or is all of this worth nothing in the eyes of someone who's enlightened? And then what do they live for? What is, what's, what's the point then? I, I've heard that nihilism or fatalism are, are pit stops on, on the way to enlightenment, but sometimes they feel like they could just be the end stop. Again, I'm trying to work this stuff out, and as you can see, this book me up. He actually separates the idea of earthly desires versus spiritual soul desires. And he says something like, people lose their souls in order to gain earthly desires. But I also don't think it's about replacing earthly desires with soul ones, because that's, that's like a whole another version of the same thing. It's more like being aware of the earthly ones so that the soul, oh God, I'm sounding like a crazy person. It's about being aware of the earthly desires so that you're not controlled by them. And in that, you start to uncover what's worth it for you in your soul, what, what makes you feel content. And not in a fleeting way, not like in a happy, I just won $100 in a scratch off sort of way. These things that affect us quickly in the moment, but then have a tendency to come back to this even level of life. So then I wonder, well, if I don't get to have earthly things like being in a rock band, uh, what, what, are, what are these soul desires? Anthony DeMello says that it, it comes back to a feeling. You can distinguish it with a feeling. And the one is a sort of tenseness, a sort of clinginess, a sort of achievement feeling, whereas the other is just a, a contentment. This healthy detachment is paramount, but it's so hard to come back to. Because what does that mean for your work, for your life, for your relationships? It makes me think of the Buddhist sand mandalas, where they spend days carefully crafting these extremely intricate and patterned sand shapes with different colors. They spend days doing this. They put everything into it. But then when they finish, they look at it and blow it all away. So it brings me back to this idea of putting everything you have into something, but then releasing yourself from the results, detaching yourself.
It's easier said than done. It, the clingy part is what you need to be careful of, the, the need to need. He says that if you can healthfully detach from people, and that means anyone, then you're able to love that person fully and you're not trying to change them and you're not trying to get anything out of them. And it's, this is part of the book that really messed with me because, you know, it's, it's something that he says even with your closest loved ones, if you can learn how to separate from them, you can love them even more. And I suppose that ventures onto the plane of what unconditional love must feel like. But this idea of living for nature, life, and or living for your work, or living for, for people, actually also brings me back to Viktor Frankl, who I've spoken about before, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. He was a writer and psychiatrist who actually survived the Holocaust. Actually testing his hypothesis, his theory, his theory of logotherapy, which means living for something, your work, someone, or simply experiencing life the best that you can because it's what you have. And that seems very similar to me to the idea of coming back to nature or to your work or to this healthy detachment and nourishment, not nourishment, healthy detachment and enjoyment of company with those that you love. There's a fullness to be found with certain activities versus this need to grab and hold and cling for dear life. This earthly versus soul desire. What's cool about this is he actually goes on to say, Anthony DeMello, that these earthly desires aren't necessarily bad. I mean, they're, they're gonna be there. It's gonna be a part of you. And that's why the book is called Awareness. He says over and over, awareness, 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 awareness. He says what you are aware of, you are in control of. And what you are not aware of is in control of you. I relate this to my feelings of depression and, and especially within this year. In the past, I would just wallow in them and not understand why I couldn't just be happy. But now this year, I understand why I'm depressed. I, I don't get to see many people. I, I've lost jobs and opportunity and agency in myself. I've backslid with my obsessive compulsiveness. There are things this year that I'm grieving. There are things that we're all grieving this year. So much. I mean, even one of the things that most people have gone through this year, like, would be a shitty year or would, would make for a difficult year, a, a character building year. I like that idea. I, I saw Alex Honnold, who did the movie Free Solo, climbing the mountain in Yosemite. He says he doesn't like to say things are uh, bad or terrible or shitty anymore. He prefers to say that they're character building. So I like that idea. But this year, any one of the things that has happened to us this year could be character building, let alone the multitude of things that have happened to people anywhere from losing a job to a loved one. I mean, it's, we've been forced to look at the earthly a lot this year. But if we're aware of that, there can, there can be pride in overcoming that and there can be 
recognition of what's actually going on as opposed to just feeling bad about ourselves. I don't have to feel bad that I feel bad, which has been an issue for me for a while. I feel bad for good reason. That doesn't mean I, I, I can't do anything about it. I can do, I can do what I can do. <laughs> I can control what I can control, but at least I'm aware of what's making me feel like shit. I, at least I know it's not some mysterious smoke monster. Lost. Uh, it is something that I, I can identify. I can be aware of it. And, and that awareness is not something to be found or attained. It's something to come back to. He says, like, come back to it like a child. He talks about coming back to senses, coming, coming back to your senses, which is weird to me because that's an earthly thing. Your senses are earthly, but that helps you come back to your soul. But he says, come back to it without classification. He speaks a lot about being wary of labels, labeling things, which is part of why children get part of it right. They don't, they don't label things. They, they enjoy the sights and the sounds and the smell and the feel. It's like they're on mushrooms all the time. In fact, there's actually a study done that says probably their brain state is like someone who may be a bit high, which would make sense if you've ever seen a kid in a grocery store or anywhere. This guy is, uh, it's blowing my mind. I feel like I'm like a, like one of those college students that found Alan Watts for the first time. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Alan Watts. Cool, bro. All right. Oh yeah. You read Siddhartha. Cool, man. Nice. But all of this is, is hard in today's world, especially with what's going on right now. Like you can't just go off into la la land of senses and just, you're just this floating jelly like orb of enjoying the moment. You have to have both. Uh, it reminds me, Ram Das says the line, you have to remember your Buddhist nature and your social security number. And I always love that line because it speaks to the non-dualism of things where things aren't black and white. It's, it's not one or the other. There has to be this, not necessarily gray area, but a balance, a, a holding of each other, literally and figuratively, figuratively and literally. Which brings us to another one of his theories in that the I is separate from the me, this I, this observing the me, this, this, this me that's feeling sad or angry or happy or excited or uh, that's excited. Um, <laughs> the me feels all of these things. And most of us are always stuck in that. We're, we're stuck within it makes me think of like one of those cartoons that was the cartoon with Charlie Brown with the dirty kid, not Linus. He plays the piano, but the dirty kid, no Schroeder plays the piano. Is it Linus? He's got the blanket. Who's the dirty one. Anyway, he's got the smoke and stuff flying around him, smoke and the stars or whatever, the dust. <laughs> and I feel like most of the time we're in that and that's our life, all these things happening to us. And we feel like it's so important and it's there, but we can actually observe that from a different point of view. And that's, that's this I, the I as in the letter I, I observing the me who's having all this stuff happen. And the I is unaffected. 
these things that are all happening to the me, of course you could be happy or excited or depressed, but that never affects the eye. The eye can observe it. And that's a really interesting way to think about it. It's a mind fuck. He says, when you change, everything changes. That healthy detachment is really interesting to me. Which comes to the final point that, that God or this universe or this simulation, whatever this is, is unknowable. He says that it's unknowable, that you can't know what this is. It's our, our brains, which are usually caught and rolling around in the me, can't distinguish, can't, can't understand what all of this actually is. So if you can't understand it, there's a freedom in letting go and detaching from it. And that doesn't mean dying, but I guess it's a death of sorts, a death to attachment, a death of worrying, of caring so much. I feel like I'm getting enlightened right now. And I'm not sure any of us can actually stay there at all times. It seems to be a feeling that you can only tap into at times. Although Anthony DeMello and people like Eckhart Tolle or Deepak Chopra, they seem to live more and more on that plane as a normal thing. Uh, whereas I'm just worried about getting Chipotle tonight. I think it's something like, it's not that all this stuff isn't worth anything, it's that the worth is already there. Like, we, we think we have to go and find it, we have to get it, we have to go, we have to achieve it, we have to be it, we have to do it. But it, it can be found right now over and over and over within us. If only we're aware. Anyway, uh, I don't know where I go from here. Uh, the Da Vinci Code? Something light? <laughs> All right, um, I blacked out. I think my brain needs a rest. Thank you very much for watching. We will see you on the next one. If I haven't gone fully crazy. Let's turn off the microphone.